Hey everybody, this is Robert Spiewak, the host of 24 Flames Per Second. Hello! Um, just wanted to put a message here at the top of the episode that uh, this episode does have uh, a homophobic slur in it that appears in Bring It On. We repeat it in the episode, so um, yeah, just a heads up um, that it's uh, presented very matter-of-factly, but it's presented all the same. So um, yeah, everybody, um, wild that a movie is lighthearted generally is bring it on that we have content warning on but uh yeah anyways just giving you a heads up so uh other than that if you continue listening enjoy the episode on this week's episode we fly unchaperoned to daytona beach with bring it on does rancho carne make you think of taco bell could spirit fingers solve world peace and should torrance and missy have ended up together at the end of the movie find out now you're listening to sammy's birthday episode of 24 flames per second All right, all right, A-L-R-I-G-H-T, welcome to the show, everybody. This is 24 Flames Per Second. It's the podcast that roasts the films we love the most. And uh, as always, I'm your host, Robert Spiewak. And everybody, welcome to uh, our Bring It On episode of the show. Um, we are doing this, and we'll get we'll get to her eventually, but uh, we've got celebrating a birthday this week, and this was a choice that happened to fit in right when we we're trying to do a bunch of other teenage movies. And so, what's more, what's more high school and cheerleading? I don't know. Um, we'll uh, we will maybe find out over the course of this episode, everybody. Um, and so, yeah, welcome, uh, welcome to the show. Um, I think, let's see, September, 30 days has September. So next week will probably be a hot take or last week because we did uh, over and this is over on our Patreon, everybody, um, because we just had our drink along for live action Mulan that's up there. If anybody's curious, wants to uh, go and jump on it now that it's out on Disney Plus, um, Go check that out um, over patreon.com slash 24flamespod. Um, and we uh, also did a hot take that night. We just knocked them both out for September in, in one go. So, um, yeah, everybody, um, we will uh, hopefully see y'all swinging over there and checking it out. And uh, that was my Patreon update for you this episode, everybody. And so I think um, we'll just, we're just going to dive right in, starting with uh, my co-host this week, the Misty to my Sparky, Chris Pepper Hambrick. Hey, you can't see me, but I'm making spirit fingers. Yes, those are not allowed, as we'll find out. Or <laughs> not, they don't score as well as we maybe thought. Oh, um, well, I look forward to hearing more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly hear more. Um, did you watch the movie this week? I did, for probably the first time since I was the age of most of the people in this movie. Nice. Yeah, so that was really interesting to revisit. Yeah. Um, well, uh, speaking of revisiting, what do you know about it that you can so, share with us? Yeah, um, it came out in 2000 um, and it was directed by Peyton Reed, um, which uh, I didn't recognize the name, but he went on to direct Ant-Man. Ant-Man. Yep, that's so, right. 
that is important to know. Um, and <laughs> uh, so it has a pretty interesting cast. It's got Kirsten Dunst and Eliza Dushku, who, if you don't recognize that name, was Faith on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So that was mm-hmm. kind of a big deal at the time. Um, also, Jesse Bradford in another Where Is He Now turn. And um, <laughs> Gabrielle Union is is in this movie as well. So um, that is pretty exciting it's a it's a it's an interesting cast and then uh, another interesting fact is that it spawned five direct-to-video sequels and none of them involved any of the original cast dang bring it on again and again and again i mean there's a a cheerleaders nationals every year so it feels like they could have done a sequel forever why not every right? year. and like, just like yeah land before time right and there was a sort of a spate in the 70s of like cheer exploitation films so mm-hmm. kind of brings back a, a pg-13 aura of that in a way. <laughs> wow um well very good um that's good stuff also yeah shout out peyton reed ant-man director also I, I noticed that when i was getting ready to sit down and watch this and yeah. um I'm, I'm glad he's gone on to other things i will we'll get into it as the show goes on um but uh, but yeah, sweet. Um, well, let's introduce our panels this week, um, and we'll start with the roasters as always. First up, we've got she's a theater educator and a Disney fan. You can uh, find her and her board games on social media at Board Board Games. Alex Garamoni. Ready? Okay. Jeez, oh, started. <laughs> Get it's ready weekend. for it. I'm ready. I'm peppy. Okay, good. Very good. Um, how are you doing? It's great to have you here again. I'm back by popular demand. That's always how I start the show. I know the fans love it. So I'm back, guys. I know. You can stop sending emails. I'm back. So many emails. So I almost many. couldn't count. I almost couldn't count them. There were so many. I know. Um, anyway, it's great. It's great to have you back. Um, and also roasting this week, director of photography and Tracer. Find his work on Instagram on Instagram at Grayson Arts. Right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I don't know. Um, I keep changing it, so who knows? Yeah. That was the last one I had written down in my book. It's Russell Hay. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah. I am about to tear down a shed, and I'm pretty excited about that. Hell yeah. I got um, it. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, well, anyways, it's great to have you here. Great to have you back. It's been a minute. Um, yeah. And on the defense for her birthday this week, Educator and filmmaker, find her on social media at Sam Fermi, the Slam and Salmon, Sammy Furman. Hey, hey, hey. Hello, how's it going? It's going great. I'm living my best dog mom life over here. My little yes. buddy Taco. Taco. He's sleeping next to me mm. and he's great. I love it. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Well, on behalf of the show, happy birthday. We're so excited. Bring on the years. They, um, I I forgot the words to um, All Star. The years start coming, and they don't stop coming. There it is. Um, but uh, but but yeah, it's um, it's great. We're glad that we could uh, get another get more birthday episodes in this year. And um, coincidentally, uh, everybody, some folks want other people wanted to bring it on as well. So um, yeah, happy birthday! Ah, wow, thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, let's uh, get into it. First things first, movie in a minute. You know how this goes. Give us the uh, plot synopsis to bring it on. Spoilers and all. And we'll give you 60 seconds and a three count. Are you ready? 
as Ray as I'll ever be, I'm pretty bad at these. So fingers crossed I can make it through this time. Spirit fingers crossed. All right. Um, okay. Well, here we go. In three, two, one, go. So you have Torn Shipment is about to start her senior year and is hoping to become the cheer captain of her cheerleading squad at Rancho Carney High School. Um, their squad has won five national cheer competitions, so it's there's a lot of pressure to be the, a good captain for that. She wins the vote, and on her first day of practice, she says they're going to attempt the Wolf's Wall, which is the hardest pyramid known to cheer and mankind. Of course, it does not go well. Uh, one of the cheerleaders gets injured, and she's forced to uh, replace her with the new girl, Missy, who's a little uh, rough around the edges, doesn't quite fit the typical cheerleader mold. Uh, but she joins the team anyways and opens Torrance's eyes to the fact that all of their cheers have actually been ripped off from another team, uh, the East Compton Clovers. Um, the Clovers actually uh, confront the Toros during a football game one day, embarrassing them and forcing them to decide to uh, create a uh, create a new routine before. Uh, and you're out of no, time. It. How? I'm it's so bad uh, at this. It's not even funny. I didn't even get halfway. You know, they say as you get older, time moves quicker. So. Um, I, don't know. I even practiced but, it. I really practiced oh. it. I still didn't get it. Wow. Well, I mean, you know, we saw how much practice they had to do the cheerleaders to get their thing right. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah. So, anyways, um, the the Toros got to come up with new choreography, a new routine, everything, um, and they hire a choreographer who teaches them the aforementioned spirit fingers. Um, and so, yeah, they go to regionals. And turns out uh, they are not the only team that has hired Sparky, the choreographer. Um, and so they end up having to follow a uh, another team that has the exact same routine that they do. Um, and since there's no rules on the books, they allow it and everyone gets a pass through um, to nationals. And so uh, the team buckles down. They study dancing and fighting and um, uh, yoga, all kinds of things, um, to develop this new routine that they're taking to nationals. Um, and so, yeah, they, uh, go to nationals, they do the show, the Clovers are there. There's, um, some kind of what's becoming a healthy rivalry, um, between the, between at least Torrance and, um, and I'm, I didn't write this down. What's Gabrielle Union's character's name? Isis. I think they call her Ice. Ice. I, is it ISIS though, Russell? It's ISIS. It's ISIS. Yeah. Okay, um, but yeah, there Torrance and ISIS developing a kind of a healthy mutual respect um, for each other um, as captains of their respective squads, um, and so yeah, they both do the finals and. The uh, Toros come in, drumroll please, second place. The Clovers win number one and win the whole dang thing. And um, and then Torrance ends up with uh, What's-His-Nuts at the end of the movie. Um, and that is Bring It On. And so, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the movie. Great job, Sam, again, as far as you did. And, um, yeah, everybody, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will get opening statements for Bring It On and uh, Sammy, why you're here defending this movie for your birthday. Everybody, we will be right back. All right, and we are back, everybody. Welcome back to our Bring It On episode for Sammy Furman's birthday. She's on the defense. And uh, right before the break, she um, 
couldn't quite get her pyramid to hold together on movie in a minute. Uh, and so anyways, let's move on to opening statements. Sammy, why are you, why actually, why did you choose bring it on for your birthday episode and you're here defending it? Uh, bring it on. is just a movie that my family has all watched, like since it came out, probably not a movie I should have watched as a kid, but, uh, uh, it's just like, for me, just a fun movie that I've always been able to, every time I watch it, I still get enjoyment out of it. And, uh, I think it's, it's got a lot of fun moments to it. A lot of, uh, fun one-liner quotable moments. So, um, yeah, it just, it's, it's a movie I've liked for a long time. So felt like I needed to defend it. Okay. Well, uh, well, very good. Um, roasters, I think, um, I don't know. Let's talk about, um, you know, Sammy said, didn't know if she should have been watching it at a young age. Let's start with, um, with the audience for this movie. Who is this movie for roasters? That is one of my big questions that I have. Um, there's sort of this weird, uh, adult energy and and themes in the film that I'm not quite sure who it's directed for. Uh, For example, you know, the film opens pretty early with the girls all in the locker room um, changing their clothes. They do the bikini car wash thing where one girl's, you know, simulating a hand job on an antenna or like rubbing their chests on the car. And I was just sitting there like, please don't let my roommate walk downstairs right now. Please don't let him see me just like vibing with this movie right now. And it, it sort of confuses me because there's so much about the movie that's just like, let's watch cheerleading routines. Yay. Like, let's have this really fun teen movie. But it also sort of tries to dip its toes into that kind of like American pie, really, really raunchy and and confuses for me the tone of the film. Uh, Russell, anything to add? Sammy, response? Whoever would like to go? Um, yeah, I mean, I I kind of echo everything that um, Alex just said. Um, it it is confusing as to who this movie is actually targeted towards. Um, I kind of assume that it is the same like demographic of people that would be watching American Pie around the same time. Um, and you know, there's definitely a lot of questionable content um, that. I think would be a little bit iffy to have a teenager watch uh, without actual critique of it um, for lack of a better, a better way of describing it. Like, I mean, they, they literally make jokes about uh, sexual assault uh, multiple times in the movie. And every time I get to those scenes, I kind of cringe um, because it, you know, the, if we look at the, the era that it was made in, like we see the result of that kind of media being played to uh, people who were uh, impressionable at that, at that age or during that time frame, um, And we kind of see the result of, of that um, in recent history. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. You know, and I do think, you know, watching it now as an adult, I can kind of see that it, it's, it's definitely, um, not meant for younger audiences, but I, it did come out when I was younger. And I, I mean, I, I guess I don't know how old it was, maybe like 10, 11 or something. And it is something that I watched with my family. And I feel like there was so much that just, I didn't, I didn't pick up on, or there's just it, 
not all, but a lot of what uh, is shown in the movie is just kind of done in a way that it just went straight over, goes over people's head and you just have to watch it again to really pick up on some of those nuances. Um, but I do agree that, yeah, it's definitely probably was made more for the people who were already watching like American Pie and the, the raunchier movies that were coming out at that time. Um, as someone who was 21, I think, when this movie came out, that's pretty bang on. Um it, it really felt like I was in the, the sweet spot for it a little bit out of co- of high school. Um, so I, you know, appreciated the raunchiness, but still related to the content. Um, so maybe maybe that's a clue. I don't know. <laughs> Alex, go ahead. Well, let's let's then talk about kind of the content of the film then, since it was primarily about cheerleading. Um this film had very little that actually adhered to cheer guidelines. Um, <laughs> when I was young, the the impact of being loud and the child of athletes is they stick you in competitive cheer. And there are so many different rules and regulations for what you have to do as a cheerleader. And both the Toros and the Clovers broke all of those rules in the movie. From just the outfits that they, like their costumes for or their uniforms for competition and their hair were super uh out of line to actually the the uh performances that they did and technically if you're going off of the the cheerleading you know standards for how things are scored the clover's routines were a lot more dance heavy which would actually not score very well in competition um since they look more for like the synchronization and the tumbling and things like that um Actually, both teams would have been disqualified at regionals because they both did at the high school level. You can't do two body high uh, stunts. So like you can't do like a layer of lifts and then another layer and you can't do any flyovers. And both teams did flyovers and tosses in their routines, um, which is super, super dangerous, actually. And that's why they don't let high schoolers do that. But they just seem very flippant about those sorts of things. Uh, well, they were, on ca- they were on carpet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got me there. They did also, that's they did have, you know, their spotters. But that girl who fell at the beginning of the movie, they put like the tiniest girl to be her spotter. And I was just like, <laughs> well, I can't get behind this at all. <laughs> well, I mean, I- you're coming from like I also you know was a cheerleader for a little while in high school um and in fact the the so many of the rules and the competitiveness of it is one of the reasons I didn't continue to to cheer but um you know I think if you start putting all that stuff into a movie that's not meant to be like a serious cheer film it's it's meant to be a like a raunchy rom-com like good time film like as soon as you start nitpicking any of like what the cheer things are like then the movie's just not going to be fun anymore and honestly when you think cheerleading you think of like the stunts and the flips and and all that and and so that's I'm sure why they just put them in there though I I get what you're saying that yeah like high schoolers would not be doing half of the things they did um in 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 their competition in their film or their routines Interesting. Um, let me see. What else? What else were we kind of talking about? We're talking about writing a little bit, which we kind of brushed on. Um, does anybody have anything to? We were talking a little bit just about, you know, the the sexual assault jokester scenes um, for the the boys on the cheer team. So I don't know. Is there anything that we wanted to add to that? Perhaps I think um, somebody mentioned language before. Yeah, Russell. 
Well, so I think that uh, if we look at like a lot of the um, like a lot of the banter that was between like the the kids in particular, um, like I, I think the the one that really stands out to me is like the car scene when they're I think they're going to regionals or some or no, it's I think when they're going to the first like game night because it's the first time that Eliza Dushku shows off her little um, cheerleader outfit um, or uniform. <laughs> Um, and you know, they're, they're sitting there talking about, um, uh, Jan, the straight one, uh, he lets his digits slip, uh, whenever he's holding one of the, one of the, um, the mean girls up. Um, and so like they make this complete and utter joke about like, um, you know, sexual assault, uh, and everyone seemed to be totally okay with it. And then they started questioning about, well, before that they were questioning about sexuality and like Les couldn't actually even say like gay. He had to say that he was controversial, but then immediately following that, Eliza Dushku uses the term fag, which at the time in 2000, like that term was still considered a very strong slur and was not, um, you know, in the process of being reclaimed by the gay community. And so like the fact that they chose to use that and couldn't just come out and say that he was gay, you know, just felt really, I mean, I, I problematic, um, for lack of a better term. Um, and so, like those things in particular, and and they have examples of that throughout the the movie where it's just like, yeah, even in two thousand, like that was probably not actually okay for you to say as a you know straight uh, writer or straight director. I'm I'm assuming um, uh, things about the director. Um, so yeah, I mean, for me, that just kind of ruins a lot of the film for me. Yeah, I definitely I agree with Russell. There was a lot of, of language in there that really surprised me um, in terms of not holding up as I remembered. Because I remember when I was a kid, I used to love, you know, doing the like, you're being a cheer tater, Torrance, and a pain in my ass. And like all of those fun quotes I was thinking about. Um, <laughs> but I was just shocked by how many times they did use uh, the F slur and how many times that they did end up you know they would use the r slur they would use basically every type of slur and uh the male cheerleaders were being bullied for being interested in male cheerleading and then they were thought to be cool when they were like stretching a girl's leg or they were being um you know or the part where that the one male cheerleader does lift the girl up and he sticks his hand up her uh, underwear like he, he literally just like pull when he drops her she's like stop it and hits him and walks away and he just like looks at his hand really proudly and I was just like damn what a very sad and dangerous sort of stereotype to perpetuate here that the only two options for being involved in cheer is that you are gay or you are doing it to be aggressive towards women yeah, you know, honestly, I can't really argue to any of the points you guys just made because that's rewatching the film this time around. Um, I definitely saw those through a different lens that I didn't see when I was younger. And um, 
I mean, you guys are just totally spot on, right? Like it, it is pretty problematic. Those, those moments in the film and it did change the film a little bit for me watching it this time around, but uh, yeah. Hmm. Um, well, another thing I got on my list here was, um, was just kind of the characters that we're working with. So we got, we got Torrance, we got Missy, um, we got, uh, what's his name? Aaron. Um, and then we've got the, uh, you know, the Clovers, Isis and her rest of her team that I don't know if all of them are named in the movie. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, those are all kind of our main players. Um, anybody... Alex or Russell have anything they wanted to uh, bring up in terms of characters? Russell, go ahead. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I think one of the things um, to kind of look at for the characters is like character growth um, doesn't uh, character growth doesn't really exist in this movie. Um, Like, Okay, so as an example, you have the two mean girls whose names I can't remember, Whitney and the other Courtney. one. Courtney. Courtney, <laughs> thank you. Um, they're just very, like, hmm. anyway. Um, and so, like, you know, they're all, like, uh, antagonistic towards Missy. And then, like, just flip of the switch oh we're all best friends now and we're just going to be completely nice and they kind of like fade out um but there's no like actual growth there right it's just like a a flip of the switch and now oh they're not being antagonistic um you know i i think there's the standard b plot of a love triangle between aaron and cliff um and torrance um and, uh, you know, oh, she wises up to Aaron being a douche um, because she fell in love with Cliff. Like, that doesn't really ring very great to me either when it comes to, like, um, character development because it just feels very forced. Um, well, I would argue that actually it's not her falling in love with Cliff that like wises her up to Aaron. It's like all these other things going on in her life and how like MIA he is and how Cliff is actually there for her. And so is Missy and all these people that like, I think before she met Missy, she had all these superficial friends like Courtney and Whitney who were, you know, wishy-washy and jealous that she got captain and, you know, big red who, obviously didn't care about anybody except for like winning and um, all these things. And as she starts to have that responsibility of captain and starts making these mistakes and trying to learn from them, um, you know, she sees that Aaron doesn't care for her and, you know, he has time to talk to Courtney and Whitney, but doesn't have time to talk to her or be there for her. And his only advice is just to like give up her responsibility basically. And I think she becomes aware that he's, it's not a good relationship for her. Um, and then sees potential in someone else who has been there for her and has encouraged her to keep trying instead of giving up. And so I don't think it's necessarily that she fell in love with Cliff. I think she, you know, was was growing. I mean, it's a very quick growth. They don't really show it developing. I don't like I can agree with that. But um, I do think that her character is meant to have kind of learned more from everything going on. Um and is in a different spot at the end of the film than she is at the beginning. And that's why she's able to break up with Aaron. Hmm. Um, Alex. Um, 
I actually, I have a pretty big issue with the Torrance Cliff sort of dynamic uh, because I definitely think that she makes super inappropriate choices regardless of what her boyfriend is doing. Like, he's obviously being a huge douchebag to her, but I don't necessarily know that that makes it okay for her to be super flirty and to sort of emotionally get the support that she wants from this other boy while still being in a relationship. Um, and it, it sort of like struck me watching it this time that like, I mean, she's just emotionally cheating on the boyfriend, even though he's physically cheating, even though blah, 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 you know, she doesn't necessarily know that. And if she really does want to explore these feelings with Cliff, she should do the right thing, which would be to address that. Hey, I have these conflicting feelings instead of being like, when Missy goes, oh, do you have a crush on my brother? She's like, no, I have a boyfriend. What are you talking about? Or um, instead of, of dealing with it. Also, I have a very hot take right here. No. Uh, the the toothbrush scene is gross. And I, hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember like when it was in the Ariana Grande music video, I was like, oh, cute. Bring it on reference. And then I watched it and I was like, why is this so long? And this is so nasty. And I don't <laughs> see Like, why am I supposed to feel sexual tension for this? <laughs> I, have a, I have a note written down that says too much toothbrushing. Too much toothbrushing. <laughs> it's enough. You're clean. Good to go. Um, Russell. Well, okay. So, uh, toothbrushing aside, um, one of the things that I, I want to ask, uh, cause both Sammy and Alex, uh, mentioned that, uh, Cliff was supportive of Torrance through the whole process. I don't remember anything where he actually was supportive beyond the mixtape that he made for her, or the, the tape that he made for her. Like every other time, he wasn't really being supportive of any of the cheerleading stuff and any of the stuff associated with that. Um, and so like, I'd like to know just like, where are you seeing the support from cliff? Like it just seemed like it was a super flirty, like he's cute. She's cute. They kind of like each other. They're both sort of, well, he's a little bit irreverent. She's a little bit of a goody two shoe and like that meshes. Um, I mean, I guess there's um, there's a scene before, like, their first competition where they're out, like, talking on the swings. And, it, I mean, he's not necessarily encouraging the cheerleading, but he is helping her kind of talk through some issues and is, is just kind of like, if it doesn't make you happy, you know, why don't you try something new? Like, why do you keep doing it? And just kind of, like, helping her have that dialogue, um, I guess, is the first one that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Russell. Uh, so um, that that conversation on the swing, though, like he he's not really doing anything different than what Aaron did of trying to convince her to like, hey, it looks like you're not happy or you're not being able to handle this whole being like head cheerleader or captain of the cheerleading team. So why don't you just quit? There's other things that you could do. Um, and so it actually like to me felt very hollow um, because he was giving her the same advice as Aaron. And the only difference is Jess Bradford is cuter than the actor who played uh, Aaron. Well, I would say it's not necessarily the same advice. I think Aaron's advice was, you know what, your only option is to quit because you're a good cheerleader. But you, she, he basically says like, hey, you suck at being captain, but you're a good cheerleader. So you should just stick to that. 
Whereas I feel like Cliff's character is say, is is asking her like, "What do you think? How do you feel? Like, do you want to be the cheer, cheer captain still? Like, do you even want to cheer anymore?" Whereas Aaron was kind of just like telling her what to do and making that choice for her, and then literally going behind her back and making that choice for her by telling Courtney and Whitney. Whereas Chase was trying to help her come to the conclusion on her own and figure it out herself. That's that's my take on it. Um, let's see. What else do we have? I don't I, know. I, Sorry, I go ahead. I up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to know how you guys feel about the race and class issues in the film. Um, because they do hit on some, um, topics that I don't think a lot of films of this genre do, which is sort of the um inequality between these two schools and the the methods and the lengths that these groups go to to kind of get to the competition um how do you think the issues of race and class were handled mm-hmm. russell um so i will say that uh, there are some things that it handled well and some things that it handled poorly um overall i think that um it tried uh, to kind of make a commentary about white saviorism um, without actually like calling attention to it very specifically. Um, And I think that because like, you know, Torrance goes and gets the money and is like, here, you have to go to, to, to um, nationals. I think, right. That's the one that was in Florida nationals. Um, You have to go to nationals. Here's the money. And ISIS just, plain out refuses it so like i think that there was an attempt to kind of um to to address the idea of white saviorship um without actually taking a like without actually doing it uh particularly like strong justice um to to call it out and actually make it a a statement it was more just kind of like a well, no, of course we're not going to take the money because we're too proud. Um, so I I think that it had potential and I think it missed the mark a little. Hmm. Yeah, anybody, anybody else? Yeah, I agree uh, with Russell a lot. I think that the movie was so much based around like, wow, Torrance, you guys have been stealing these cheers and what's the decision that you're going to make? Um When in reality, you know, the cheer team didn't decide to change their methods or to change what they were doing until, you know, the Clovers showed up at their football game and showed them up at the dance. Um, I almost would have been more interested in seeing more of the movie with the Clovers perspective because we don't get to see the Clovers practice. We don't get to see what they get to go through um, and what their routines are like. We just mostly spent the time, you know learning spirit fingers from what's his bucket or doing the car wash or <laughs> focusing on kind of the, that side of the cheerleading. And I think it would have been, you know, that they were so close to finding something to dig into there and something that they could explore in terms of the two different cheer teams sort of comparing what it is to be a cheerleader in their own mm perspectives but it just never went to that place it just stayed very on the surface yeah russell yeah and i think the um 
the other thing that uh, I kind of noticed um, in in especially when it comes to um, like the situation, right? We have a predominantly white, definitely affluent cheerleading team stealing things, uh, in this case routines, from a, um, I don't like using the word lower class, but like lower socioeconomical uh, class mm-hmm. of minority um, uh, teams or a minority team. And rather than actually making it right um, and and owning up to the reality of what they were doing, which is they were stealing from a group of minorities, um, you know, they talked about, oh, well, we have so much, like, you know, we put all the effort into learning the routine, so we should just be able to use it. And there's no, like, there's no real, like, uh, like repair of the damage that they were doing hmm. and no real remorse um, to the damage that they did, to the harm that they did um, from their actions. Now, granted, I understand that they also didn't necessarily know about the actions when they were you know, first happening because it was Big Red that was stealing everything. But once they learned about it, they could have made that right. They could have done things to um, to pay back the damage and the and the the harm that was done, and no one, not even Torrance, took ownership of that. Um, and I think that had they have done something like that, then that would have been a much stronger message um, mm-hmm. than what this um, what this movie uh, had. Yeah. Sammy, kind of a final response to that, and then we will unmask. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I think that the movie did try to imply that, uh, you know, everyone was feeling like felt bad for what they did. Not maybe not everyone on the team, um, but definitely at least Torrance. Um, but I mean, you guys are right. Like they really did not do a, a well enough job of um trying to show why that was wrong or how that was wrong or, or showing that the the characters felt any sort of remorse for their actions. Like the only time Torrance really tries to um, show that she is like, wants to make amends or whatever is when she tries to throw the money at them so they can go. And really that's not, you know, a good apology. So, you know, you you guys had valid arguments there. Mm hmm. Um, all right, everybody. Well, um, as I said, we've about reached time to unmask. And so uh, let's go around. We'll talk about how we really feel, starting with uh, the birthday defender, Sammy. Yeah. So this is, like I said, a film that uh, I watched a lot growing up with my family. It was just one of the our, like go-to movies. Um, but it has been a while since I've watched it, like quite a few years. And so re-watching it last night... Um, I was, I actually kind of was like dreading having to defend this movie because there were so many things I was watching, like, oh my God, that's not great. Oh, that's horrible too. Like, just like, like so many things that I was just kind of, um, uh, regretting the choice to defend this film, but there are still some things I like about it. I think it's more a nostalgia thing. Um, 
But, you know, I, I definitely agree that I really wish there was more perspective from like the Clover's point of view. Uh, like looking back, I feel like that would have been a much more uh, interesting story if they added added some of that in it. But, um, you know, overall, uh, I, I do still I'll say I like the film, but definitely not as much as I used to. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Alex. Um, I hadn't seen this movie in several years and I did not remember a lot of pieces of it. So I would say that I'm not as big a fan as I would have thought I was going to be. <laughs> like I remembered liking it and then I was like, oh, uh, it does not hold up the way I wanted it to. Um, I would say probably the number one reason, though, that that this movie is on on my thumbs down list would be that no cheerleader ever says bring it on in this film. And that's just inexcusable. So, <laughs> straight in the garbage can for me. Almost. They get bring it in there. They don't get don't on. Bring it, don't bring it on though. Mm. Um, Russell. Well, so I, I think a lot like Sammy, um, this movie uh, has a lot of nostalgia um, for me. Um, now granted, maybe not when I was 10, cause I'm a little bit older, but um <laughs> I think I was 21 when I first saw this when uh, I did see it in the theater, I'm pretty sure. Um, and it was one of those movies where I would just watch it over and over and over again. And anytime somebody said, Burr, my immediate response would be, it's cold in here. There must be some clovers in the atmosphere. Um, and uh, to the point where somebody told me that I just like 10 years later needed to stop that. Um, <laughs> uh you know, everything that I said is absolutely true. Like, so I have kind of a love-hate relationship with this movie. Like, it's super enjoyable as long as I turn off my critical thinking brain um, and just enjoy the the candiness of it. I mean, it is like eating a really good candy bar. Yeah, what, what he said. <laughs> uh, Chris? Yeah, um, I'm like, twinsies with russell here i was 20 21 whatever and uh i have big old like bisexual nostalgia glasses for this movie um <laughs> to me the the triangle is between missy and uh and cliff um so i i totally watch it through that lens and i recognize all of the issues but uh, maybe it's the nostalgia talking but it actually held up in terms of just just fun enjoyment more than i thought and I actually thought they dealt with the race and class stuff better than I expected for a movie, a teen movie of that time. Not great and definitely not ideal, but I guess I wasn't as disappointed as I had geared myself up to be, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. um, so I had a good time and, uh, you know, it is it is utter cotton candy of a film. But um, yeah, I enjoyed my rewatch. Nice. Um, yeah, I also was like uh, 10 years old when this came out and probably watched it with one of my like older siblings at the time or something. So um, I have not watched it since then. Uh, and I think I remain indifferent slash. Eh, I don't care um, about it just because, you know, it's got the problematic stuff in it. And, um, and uh, yeah, eh, I don't know. Is the, the plot itself is pretty basic. Um, it's nice the clovers win at the end. That's a you know a step in the right direction in terms of doing something. Uh, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I like the one-liners, but that, other than that, has kind of I was just kind of sitting here looking for um, things that they made fun of in not another teen movie, like we've 
like we've had in a lot of these a lot of these movies as we're going back oh, to it's the been early brought yeah <laughs> it's been brought in um but uh but yeah so um i don't know i'll probably never watch it again <laughs> but uh but yeah fair enough <clears throat> um and so yeah everybody all that being said uh, that'll do it for this episode of Bring It On, and happy birthday, Sammy. Glad we could get you in for a birthday episode. <clears throat> Whether uh, the rose-colored glasses are stayed on or not. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, everybody, we're going to keep talking um, for our um, extended play, which is our post-show just for our Patreon subscribers. So if you want to get in on that and a bunch of other stuff and all the other goodies that we've got over on our Patreon, uh, head to patreon.com slash 24 flames pod and um and check it out there's um so many drink alongs for your uh, quarantine pleasure over there and a bunch of other stuff too um so yeah go and uh, do that and um if you got thoughts about bring it on feel free to email us 24 flames pod at gmail.com or you can uh send us a message hit us up on social media wherever at 24 flames pod and um wherever you listen to podcasts whether it's you know it could be it's anywhere anywhere you do it um go leave a rating subscribe review um give us a thumbs up on good pods um what have you whether yeah apple podcast spotify whatever you can um it helps more people find the show it helps us make the show better and uh we really appreciate it um yeah, I think that's uh, that's the end of my little short list here. Uh, this episode of 24 Flames Per Second is produced and hosted by me, Robert Spiewak. The, uh, oh, and co-hosted by Chris Beverhambrick. The panels this week on the defense of Sammy Furman and the roasters were Alex Garamoni and Russell Hay. Our show music is produced, composed, and performed by Rob Joins and Will Paulson. And our network and co-op, Party Fish Media, is produced by Quasi Phillips, Will Paulson, and me. And so, yeah, everybody, um, we are taking a hard right turn to um, Arabia next week with Lawrence of Arabia. So look forward to that um, as we uh, kind of, I don't know, go about in the most opposite direction from, you know, early thousands, teen movies we can. Um, And so we look forward to uh, seeing you then next week as we start into a bunch of other stuff leading up to October which is on the way which is wild for me to say when I'm sitting here right now um, and so yeah everybody um, thank you so much for listening we will catch you next week bye 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 Party Fish Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliot Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.